Vibes to start the podcast. We back with you don't know sports with Mitch and Mike. I'm Mike, and that's Mitch. Mitch, how you doing today, man? I'm blessed, man. I'm blessed. I'm happy to be here. How about yourself, my brother? Man, I'm doing great, dog. You know the sports world took a, a tragic hit this week. You know everybody's been mourning the loss of you know global icon Kobe Bryant. Uh, to start off the show, I think it's only right, man, for both of us to share our, quickly our favorite moments, our favorite Kobe Bryant moments ever. Uh, what about? Let's we'll go ahead and start with you, Mitch. What about you? What's your favorite Kobe moment ever? Yeah, my favorite Kobe moment ever would have to be him beating the big three, beating the Boston Celtics that was comprised of Kevin Garnett, Paul Pierce, and Ray Allen, and a young Roger and Rondo. But it just saw so much jubilation in that young man's face. You know, taking a team that people thought didn't have the necessary pieces as the, you know, comprised Boston Celtics at the time, that has to be it. And I'd be remiss if I didn't talk about him, you know, finally, you know, helping USAA, you know, win that Olympic uh, ring. But, uh, you know, I, I have so much condolences, so much stuff to say, but we got a short amount of time. But I just want to, you know, the world to just remember uh, that, that Kobe for what he was. He was an absolute uh, perfectionist and he was a great human being. As well as the other passengers and his beautiful daughter on that plane. Exactly. Great point. I'm glad you brought up the Celtics because that, that re- coming off of losing to Boston two years prior in the finals, then to be able to come back and beat them in the finals that year, it was in seven games and how it happened. Yeah, that, that that was special. That really cemented him as one of the Laker greats. My, my my favorite Kobe moment was back in, I believe, 2002 or 2003. It was it was the last time Kobe Bryant and Michael Jordan ever played each other. That that game, like two weeks prior to that game, Jordan and Kobe had a conversation. And Jordan told Kobe, you will never fill my shoes, ever. And throughout that entire two weeks prior to that, uh, up until that matchup, Kobe didn't talk to anybody. He didn't talk to the uh, his, uh, teammates. He didn't talk to the coaching staff. He was quiet. And uh, Phil Jackson knew what it was. He he knew he knew why. And coming out in that game when they when he played against the uh, against the Wizards and he played against Michael Jordan, he hung up fifty five on him and forty two in the first half. He was absolutely on fire. He was so hyped up about what Jordan said that he he, he was so locked in that that fifty five point performance right there was just that really let people know who Kobe Bryant was. Like it was like the passing of the torch. As soon as Jordan was on his way out, Kobe was able to fill those shoes and continue to give us the career that he had. So that was my favorite moment era. But we can go on and on about all the different Kobe moments. It was it, it was tragic all week. Uh, uh, condolences, to, like you said, to all the families that were involved, the the Audubelli family and the Chester family. It was it, it was sad. So, but but those, but those are definitely our Kobe moments. As we uh as we transition, we got to talk. We got a big game on Sunday, Mitch. We got a big game Sunday. <laughs> uh, I think I think you know I think a lot of America is really happy this the fact that the the we got new faces in the Super Bowl. You know, the last three or four years we've had new England faces in there every year. But to see somebody else in there, it's gotta be special, right? It has to be special. And if I can put it in today's vernacular, what you have is on Sunday, you have a, a primetime showing of you know, two different teams that have unbelievable identities, but you haven't really seen a defense that I think yet, uh, Mike. I don't think you've seen a defense this elite since probably that that great Giants defense that, you know, won two games, two pivotal Super Bowl uh, games against, you know, the, the heralded uh, Tom Brady. And or, the or, or, that tw- or that 2015 Denver defense. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that 2015 defense was up there as well. Yeah. But, you know, speaking of the game Sunday, I'm actually, you know, um, uh, salivated around 
the 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 Robert Salah's defense. You know, I'm not really intrigued about the offense more than the defense, just because I've seen the San Francisco 49ers, you know, defense show up. And what they say in football is, Mike, as you know, football uh, and your defense will travel no matter what what you're playing at on, on in, the, in the world. And right. the thing is with the San Francisco 49ers is I think they have a great quarterback in Jimmy Garoppolo who hasn't had the opportunity, you know, like Patrick Mahomes has had, you know, playing from behind because of that defense. So I think what they say is, you know, our, our parents used to tell us, if it's, if it's not broke, do not fix it. I think they have an identity. And there's a young man at the, the helm of the coaching ranks named Kyle Shanahan who is trying to get back and, and, and erase the 28 to three deficit that everybody knows as the, the, the new England uh, greatest comeback in sports history uh, pertaining to, if, if you can even put in, you know, the LeBron James beating, you know, the golden state warriors, but sticking to football, that's what probably one of the biggest comebacks in that I can say in my short lifetime. And I'm going with the, the San Francisco 49ers Sunday. I think mm-hmm. it's just unbelievable defensive uh, performance. You'll see. Yeah, definitely. I, 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 I love what I've seen from San Francisco. And to be honest with you, when I do, when I, when I did my research on this game, I really looked at it and I'm saying top to bottom, I think San Francisco has the better total team, but it's something about a team that's destiny. And it's something ah. about this Andy Reid situation where I feel like Andy Reid literally has everything you need on a coaching resume, but a Super Bowl championship. And I think the fact that he got, was able to get back to a Super Bowl this third, just 14 years after his last appearance with the Philadelphia Eagles, I think everything that he's been through up until this point, this just seems like a team of destiny. This seems like his moment. I, it, this is just one of those situations where I see, yes, San Francisco might, you know, just have, might have better better talent around them on in the trenches and on both sides. But it's something about the Patrick Mahomes effect, and I think Andy Reid, this is his moment. This is his time to overcome and finally get over that pedestal. And uh, I think Patrick Mahomes has an all-world game. I think this Kansas City defense plays much better than people are giving them credit because it's it's, it's a prideful thing, uh, Mitch. It's one of those situations where, you know. Kansas City knows how elite this San Francisco defense is. So they want right. to come in here and they want to ball out and they want to do their thing as well and show how how better they are than what people are giving them credit for. Because I'm gonna be honest with you, uh uh Ronnie. I don't I don't think this Kansas City defense is as bad as people think because when you have a, such a quick strike offense like that and that defense has to continuously get put back onto the field because that offense scores so fast, that that drains that drains you mentally and physically. And it's been moments, it's been moments where we've seen they, they can really show out on defense and really make things happen. And this might be the game for them to get opportunities. If they can capitalize on Jimmy, Gar- Jimmy Garoppolo, who's known and, and is prone to, you know, to, you know may- make some mistakes over the time, if they can capitalize on possibly getting some turnovers, they can really make this game interesting. I, I'm, I'm going with the Kansas City Chiefs. I think Patrick Mahomes is going to have an all-world game. I think this is Andy Reid's moment. He's going to make it happen. I, I, I definitely respect your opinion, but I would like to tell you, my brother, you don't know sports. And I'm just going to tell you, you don't know sports because one thing that I'm leaving out that I wanted to see if you were going to hit on was this young man named Gre- Dan George Kittle. The thing is, well, George Kittle is he has the ability to impact the game without touching the, the football. And I'm referring to his blocking. I'm referring to his route running. And I'm referring to, you know, Tyron Matthew and the Juan Thornhills and, the you know, the Daniel Sorsons, the guys who are going to be, you know, getting the hat on him. And what I'm telling you is – his ability to impact the game without getting the ball is amazing. I think you're going to see so many um, lanes opening for Debo Samuel. I'm going to I'm going to tell you. I think it's going to be so many lanes opening up for these running backs that they have. You know, the monster, the the, the Tevin Coleman who said he's going to play with, I believe, a separated shoulder. And um, I'd be remiss the number thirty, uh, the the Wilson kid. So what I'm telling you is, I think the scheme that Cal Shannon has, the ability to the, to rely on George Kittle and rely on your defense, I think will uh, uh, allow. You know what? What Andy Reid's 
you know, hiccup has been in coaching has been, you know, finishing, you know. And then the, the, we, we, we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about the young man on the other side named D Ford. D Ford um, used to play for what? The Kansas City Chiefs. He right. couldn't hold his water, you know, and jumped offside. So I think they have a little bit at, more added, added motivation, if I could say, for the San Francisco 49ers to prove, hey, we got D Ford. Our defense is stout. We're going to trust the, the the game plan, and we're going to we're going to beat this offense. I think that the Kansas City Chiefs offense has been unbelievable. They showed you they could play from behind, but I don't think you can be up twenty four nothing with that San Francisco defense. I'm referring to the you know the Houston Texans playoff game right. that everybody knows is they won. But I just think that with that recipe that they have in San Francisco and John Lynch, I think there's nobody going to beat them this year. And this could be you know a, a team that's going to be competing for Super Bowls for a couple of years just because how they built. You know, in the draft. Yeah, no doubt. And and, and to be honest with you, yeah, when it, when it comes to George Kittle, I said I, I think that on both sides, I think this San Francisco team, I think they have the better total team. But I, it's something about a team that's on a destiny run. You know, I'm, you know, you know me, Mitch. I'm a I'm a Giants fan. I know what I know what the Patriots were a better total team than when we played them in the Super Bowl the first time. But it was a team of destiny. That team was on, it was on a mission, and it was just their time. I think this is Andy Reid's time, and I, I look at. I look at, yeah, you bring up George Kittle. Well, there's another brother on that uh, Kansas City side named Travis Kelsey who hasn't had a great season this year. He hasn't put up the numbers that George Kittle has, and he hasn't been blocking the way that George Kittle has this year. But in these playoffs, he's looked tremendous. He's looked like the old Travis Kelsey that we've seen in years past. And I think when it comes to one game and one Super Bowl for everything on the marbles, I think Patrick Mahomes and this offense can scheme up something to really make this happen and put up an all-world performance and, 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 really, and really win this game because he's just that elite and he's been on that type of role. And when you're coming into a Super Bowl with that type of confidence, uh, it, it, it can bowl special, even even against an elite defense like the San Francisco team. Yeah, and I, I agree with that. I, I respect your opinion as yeah. well. And then, I be you know, we talked about, you know, the Giants defense. Well, let's talk about, you know, uh, you know the Giants defense winning the Super Bowl. Excuse me. You know, they have a they have a little upper edge, right, with Steve Spagnuolo, who has experience, you know, winning a Super Bowl yep. as a defensive coordinator. So, I yep. think that that could possibly help Andy Reid a little bit more because he wouldn't have to focus on so much but just making sure the offense comes in about. But, hey, this is a good problem to have, Mike. I'm not betting on the game. I think you're not. Oh, not, so no, 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 no. This is too close to call. No good. Absolutely. No good. This this game right here is so close to call. It's, it's crazy. And when you it's just think about all the matchups on the field we're going to we're gonna see today. Uh, it's like you got Tyron Matthew versus versus uh, Kittle. And then you got guys like Fred Warner versus Travis Kelsey. It's it's, it's so many different matchups. Then you got Richard Sherman possibly going against Tyreek Hill. I mean, you got you know in the trenches, you got D Ford and those guys uh, for that defense going up going up against those. The, just the the trenches is really going to be going to determine determine this game for me because San Francisco on both sides is very elite on, in the trenches. But Kansas City has something to say about that as well, and their front seven is pretty has been has been pretty solid too. And Chris Jones is coming back for that defensive line. And he's he's got two weeks off after a pretty solid game against Tennessee. So it's going to be interesting. Yeah. This, this is this is this is going to be a, a heavyweight fight. But I, but I, I'm I'm tuned in. I can't wait for it. But I, I have the and you have the you have the 49ers, huh? Absolutely. Um, you know the. And you you made a great point. You know. If you're watching the Super Bowl, you should also admire and appreciate the line of scrimmage, right? On both sides of the football, you look at an offensive line that people thought for the San Francisco 49ers that, right. you know, with the Joe Staley injury, couldn't take that next step. And they've been absolutely stout. I believe they had a young rookie step in or uh, I believe a, a, a one-year 
a football player. But I think uh, even on the opposite side, you know, with the Mitchell Swartz and those guys, it's going to be unbelievable, man. I'm actually excited. Get your popcorn ready. Somebody's like going to be mad. Somebody's going to lose a lot of money after Sunday night, man. I'm telling you. It's, it's going to be bad. But yeah, we trans- when we come back, though, we're going to talk We're gonna talk some some Washington Nationals upcoming spring training uh, uh, conversations. Right? Me and Rodney are going to really get into it and really talk about it. So uh, stay tuned for that. Yes, yes. We're here with my good brother, my co-host. That's Mike. I'm Mitch. And you don't know sports. That's what you're listening to. Mike, I know you're excited, man, with D.C. has finally, you know, did it from a baseball standpoint, a world championship. We did it. And we're, you know, retooling. We're, we're looking forward to spring training. I know you're excited. Oh, definitely, Mitch. This, this, this championship energy is in the air. You know, watching the Nationals finally get over that hump last year was amazing. We had seen them continuously, you know, have dominant regular seasons, but then not live up to expectations in the playoffs. And to see them, that championship run that they were on last year when, you know, everybody pretty much doubted them midway through the season, uh, it was it was special to watch. And I'm, I was really fortunate and blessed to be able to watch that entire championship run. I'm, I'm looking forward to this upcoming season. Absolutely. And, um, you know, the Washington Nationals are, you know, retooling. Like I said, they, they start their, you know, spring training for pitchers and catchers report to West Palm Beach, the beautiful city in Florida on February 13th. And the first ball club practice is going to be February 18th as they try to defend, you know, a, a, a commissioner's trophy. But we just talk about, you know, uh, their, 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 their retool, what they did this offseason. They, they made a lot of, you know, moves, but we know the most pivotal move, and that was resigning the World Series MVP, Steven Strasburg. Oh man, yeah, that 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 move right there was big because during the time after the season, it was it was conversations whether or not who was going to get paid between Steven Strasburg and Anthony Rendon. Which side did we want to go? And I was always of the mindset. I, I I'm glad that they made the move that they made because as much as I love Anthony Rendon and Rendon was special, Steven Strasburg was the guy. Steven Strasburg was has been my guy ever since he came in in 2008. And oh man, he, the fact that he's healthy now. I think that his his upside and what that, that pitching brings to the table, you need that kind of pitching in the playoffs. And he was really a big help for us in that championship run. So I'm glad they went the Steven Strasburg route. Absolutely. You talked about your guy. What we call him in D.C. is that superstar, right? We call him that that pitching guru. You know, it's an unbelievable tandem with Matt Scherzer. And they, you know, paid him a lot of money, $245 million on a seven-year deal. But it was quite worth it, you know, guaranteeing $100 million. Now, you talked about – you. I love this transition – um, point you talked about Anthony Rendon. We know now he is a you know Los Angeles Angel. He was no longer a part of the, the Washington Nationals, so the, the Washington Nationals had to make a plan. Right, they had to go get somebody who they think can help replace him. You cannot replace him in baseball, but what you can do is try to you know get somebody with an upgrade, maybe a bat or maybe even a you know a better glove. But you know it's tough. Was a premier third baseman. So what they did is, Mike, they went out and got Sterling Castro in free agency. Okay. They tried to, you know, re-sign a Drupal a Cabrera, excuse me, who they brought back on a $2.5 million deal. And they also, you know, brought back that guy that you love, Howie Kendrick, right? So oh, what, I, yeah. what I did is they, 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 they built, you know, through the free agency the right way. They believe that Sterling Castro's best days are ahead of him and he can possibly – be that serviceable bat, you know, he doesn't have to, you know, he's interchangeable. He can play the third, he can play, you know, the infield position, any infield position, the second shortstop, or even sometimes first, that that guy's glove is unbelievable, but his offensive struggles have been, you know, here and there. So what they're trying to do is they also, also, I'd be remiss, Carter Keeboom, you know, a former, you know, 
uh, high high draft high high first round draft pick, excuse me, by the Washington Nationals. So mm-hmm. what Carter Keboom is bringing in is an, uh, an unbelievable mystery, right? We don't know what he's going to do, but the talent is there. So the the Washington Nationals, they you know also. Um, you know, during the season last year, they struggled at times in the bullpen, Mike. So what they did is they addressed that need early in free agency. But I'd be remiss if I didn't tell you who they brought in. They brought in that guy that gave up the memorable, you know, game seven home run to Howie Kendrick. And now he's on the other side. And his name is Will Harris, who they brought in on a three-year, $24 million, Yes, a uh, three-year, $24 million deal. So, Mike, I think I'm excited. What are your thoughts? Do you think we have the tools to – like I said, retool for another World Series championship. I think they do just because because of the fact that they're coming off of doing of winning a championship. When it's it's something about that championship experience of going through the the all the adversity, the ups and downs, going through that entire uh, uh, marathon that they were on last year throughout their entire run. When you look at when you look at how they're going through that and they're coming back the following year, the confidence is through the roof. You feel like Absolutely. You stop, you, you, your game elevates to another level. You train at an entirely different level. And your whole aura about yourself, your, your persona is just is different. So I think coming into exactly. the season, they, they lost some players, but they still have a lot of their key players, and that's the, that championship DNA from last year. And I think that when you, whenever you have the pitching, uh, the way the Nationals do, you always have a shot in the, in, the, in the big games, and you always have a shot against the top teams because you can travel and go on the road. And then as the Nationals show, they still have the offensive firepower with guys like Juan Soto, Howie Kendricks, uh, guys like that, uh, 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 Turner, and things of that nature. So it's, it's a whole bunch of players. It's a whole bunch of players still on this team with that championship DNA. So I think they, they have a, a great chance next year to go to defend their title. I got to agree with you. I'm so happy they brought in the Mr. National, Ryan Zimmerman, you know, the longest tenure player on the team. He's back. Um, he's retooled. You're going to probably, you know, see him, Mike, in screen training, you know, what they call a load management. Probably won't see him every day just to be prepared. But I got to agree with you. Uh, I think the only thing that I'm looking at a reason why, you know, they always say expect the worst, and it would be the longevity of baseball, right? 182 games. We went to, you know, game seven in the World Series. We don't know if the Nationals are going to turn into, you know, the Boston Red Sox last year who, you know, mm-hmm. was world champions who, who struggled and tried to catch, you know, make a postseason run late but couldn't do it. So we'll see what happens. But I tell you what, Mike Rizzo, give him credit. Give Davey Martinez credit. Mm-hmm. Give them a formidable opportunity to win another World Series. And that starts, like I said, in a couple of weeks in West Palm Beach, Florida. That's 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 amazing. And you're right, Sebby. And you're, you're absolutely right, uh, Mitch, because when you, when you look at – when you look at – Defending championships. The following year, when you come back, you get the opposing team's best shot for 162 straight games. Everybody's giving you their best shot. Everybody wants to take you down and knock you off. So yeah, the 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 competition that they're gonna, that they're gonna face this year is gonna be light light years past anything that they faced last year. So yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be tough. But you know, the, the, these are champions now, and then they're, 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 they're ready for this moment. So I'm excited to see what they look like next year. I am too. You heard it here on you know you don't know sports. So Washington Nationals are retooling. They're preparing for the the World Series coming oh, yeah. back coming up on you don't know sports. You'll hear another entertaining segment as we preview the college basketball landscape in sports. And we are back here with you don't know sports with Mitch and Mike. I'm Mike, and that's Mitch. Yes, sir. For this segment, for this segment, we're gonna talk some college basketball. I mean, it's, it's been a lot of crazy, a lot of good college basketball this week, and um, I personally got a chance to to cover to cover the Georgetown versus Butler game with this past. Yes, she did. Yes, she did. Here in the Capital One Arena, Mitch, and I'm, I got to tell you, it was it was a great basketball game. 
Georgetown came out aggressive early. Took an 11-point lead in the in the first half. Was up 43-32. But then, uh, tell you could tell that they weren't phased at all by the moment, and they just they just took it to uh, Georgetown. The inexperience for Georgetown showed. This is a for people that don't know that this Patrick Ewing led Georgetown team is very inexperienced. Uh, they they're very young, and um, they're, they're still learning a lot of things. Mac McClung is the best offensive scorer to scoring threat on this team, and you know, there's still a lot of kings to be won. He, he he has a lot of development that he needs to do in his game. And you could just see it in that second half. Butler came out on a 20-5 to run and went from being down 11 at halftime to being up, I believe, 7 or 8 at some point throughout the second half. I think Georgetown struggled to score one or two field goals for the first 10 minutes of the second half. It was They were just missing chippies. It wasn't much anything Butler was doing. It was chippies. But I'll tell you one thing, uh, Mitch. This brother... For Butler, Sean McDermott, Doug McDermott's mm. little brother. Oh man, this 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 guy's a sharpshooter. He he was the sole reason why they won this that basketball game on Tuesday because Butler didn't play their best game. You know they they, they came in the game ranked number sixteen. They were sixteen and four, um, and but they didn't they didn't really play a dominating game. Sean McDermott came in. He had seven threes. He hit six threes in the second half, and he hit the the quarter the game clinching three at, late in the fourth quarter that really sealed the game for him. But if it wasn't for, if it wasn't for his performance, they probably lose the ball game. And I got to give credit to head coach Laval Jordan because Laval Jordan is one of those guys that you would love to you would run a brick wall for uh, through for because he he galvanizes the troops. He's a leader of young men. You can tell they go out there and they fight for hard for him. They all bought bought into this system. This is a Butler team that doesn't have a whole bunch of highly stout recruits, but at the same time they they bought into this system and they they all they're great role players and they all come together and they play great basketball together and they were they were much more poised in Georgetown and they came out and got a big victory 69 to 64 and uh it was it was just experience versus inexperience in my opinion and I think right now Georgetown is just one of those teams that can play with most teams in the country but are struggling to finish because they just don't they're not at that point yet in the maturation process Absolutely and you see that in a lot of teams Mike you see that you know, and preferably in the, in the smaller conferences, right, you know, in the, in the Big East and, you know, in the, in the Atlantic 10, right, you know, which you're covering VCU. And you see, Mike, that the teams that have more experience, they might not have the most talent, Mike, but yep. it does win a lot of games. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. It definitely does, man. And I, and to be honest with you, I was, expect, I was expecting more uh, offensively from a, a few players for Georgetown. Uh, Jamarco Pickett, he, Jamarco Pickett, he struggled in this game. You know, he, he had two early fouls. Two early fouls in the first half, and it really messed up his momentum because he was he had to sit the entire first half. He couldn't he couldn't play the like the last 14, 15 minutes of the first half. And then when he came into the second half, he missed all his shots trying to get into rhythm. Patrick, I told I talked to Patrick Ewing about it in the press conference, and he told me yes, he he feels like you know the fact that he got those early two fouls may have had something to do with you know his lack of rhythm. But at the same time, we preach for our kids to be mentally tougher than that, to be able to overcome from that and rise above it and continue to play within the confines of the game. And Jamarco Pickett, you know, he's a great young player, but it was a lot of miscues that he made on the, on the defensive side, bringing help defense in the paint and leaving McDermott wide open. And Butler took advantage of that every single time on the screen and rolls and the down, the down, the down, uh, the, uh, the the translation pen. So it was it was uh, it was just it was just an experience. You could just tell who was who was the more poised team in in that moment. But um, George, the future for Georgetown is very bright. I think in a couple of years you're gonna see that team really uh, uh make some noise and really put their stamp on on NCAA. But right now they're just they're just a young team that's continuing to find their way and continuing to build their strides. I'm looking forward to seeing them on Sunday as well. I'll be covering them 
uh, for the Georgetown St. John's game up in Madison Square Garden on Sunday. So I'm looking forward. To, I'm looking forward to that. Absolutely, I bet you are. You, you got your New York State of mind, and I'll keep it a local, a team that I'm very high on, and that's the you know the local, the Maryland Terps, right in College Park. You talked about Lavelle Moan. Lavelle Jordan, excuse me, and you, you you tooted his horn. I'm gonna I'm gonna do the same for somebody else. I'm gonna toot the horn of Mark Turgeon. I'm gonna toot his horn, Mike, because you know I saw this Maryland team down, I believe, 14 at halftime versus Northwestern a couple nights ago. And I said, ah, I think the Big Ten is getting a hold of them. But guess what, Mike? They came out, they came out rejuvenated. They ran their offensive sets. They played phenomenal, fundamental defense and rebounded the basketball. And Jalen Smith, of course, had uh, I believe 25 and 13 rebounds that game. Mm-hmm. And then, Mike, I, you know, I watched them last night. They, they played against Iowa. They played against, you know, the Big Ten Player of the Year candidate and Luca, uh, and Luca, uh, the big man. And the, the big man actually, I think, got stifled last night by Jalen Smith. Jalen uh-huh. Smith, Mike, I think is unbelievable from a talent standpoint. And he, he has the ability, Mike, to really guard all five positions, but also to make you guard him. You know, he has gotcha. that unbelievable long, you know, frame, can shoot the three soft touch, but also he has that, I think he's starting to d- develop that dog in him, Mike. He's starting to develop that that guy that you can count on, you know. And then when you have a guy like Anthony Cowan, man, the St. John product at 31 <laughs> points last night, boy, he was hotter than a stove. And I think <laughs> the, the the beauty in, in Mark Turgeon is he's starting to understand, hey, I got two players that I have to run the offense around. And another thing, underrated um, coaching move that I saw him do is he brought an unbelievable – um, player Aaron Wiggins, he brings them off the bench. He brought him off the bench uh, last game, and um, you know, versus versus Indiana, and a lot of people were like, "What? What is he doing?" But hey, Mike, he brought him off the bench yesterday, and uh, Aaron Wiggins played 30 minutes, had 14 points. So you 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 look at 31 from Anthony Cowan, you look at 18 points and 14 rebounds, three straight double doubles for you know Jalen Stick Smith, and you know 14 points from Aaron Wiggins, Mike. You know, to score 82 points against a great fundamental defense and uh, Coach McCaffrey's coach team in Iowa, I think it was phenomenal. So what you see is, Mike, you're seeing the Maryland Terrapins starting to put all the pieces together. And I, I'm going to go ahead and tell you now, Mike, I don't know if they're going to win the Big Ten. You know how that tournament is. You know, you, it's right. always tough. But, Mike, I'm telling you, they have the recipe to cut the nets down in College Park. They haven't cut the nets down since, the you know, the the the, the Harold to Gary Williams, you know, and the Steve Blakes. In the, the Juan Dixon, but I'm telling you, this team is starting to find their identity. And if you can score 82 points against Iowa, Mike, you can score 82 points against anybody in America. Very good point, uh, uh, Mitch. Ten. Mitch, I got a question for you. What is it about this Maryland team? Because we've seen Maryland in the past have a, a solid team, yep. but when it came down to the the the, the, the conference championships and then the, the March Madness tournament, they don't rise up. What is it about this team that makes you feel like they can – Take that next step and really make some noise in the big in the Big Ten tournament and also possibly in March Madness this year. I hate to say it, but I just tell you, it's Mark Turgeon. I think he's finally figuring it out. Mm. You know, they say some people learn the hard way. You know, and you know, learn the hard way, Mike, with the Rasheed Suleiman and you know the the Jake Layman and the Diamond Stones. You're expected to beat Kansas yeah. in the Sweet Sixteen, and you know, to get dominated by them. A lot of people question, you know, the athletic director, Damon Evans, you know, if Mark Churgeon still be the head coach of Maryland. And what Mark Churgeon is starting to do is he's starting to figure it out, Mike. A lot of people um, didn't expect him to, you know, to go to a, a, a zone. His background is man-to-man on defense. He's he's implement, implementing a unique zone. He's implementing, mm-hmm. you know, a, a full-court press at times. And I, I'm seeing I'm seeing the team starting to, to, you know, believe in his game plan. You know, I, I believe I'd be remiss. I watched the game. In total, in total last night, Mike, out of timeouts, I think Mark Turgeon 
drew up great plays, but guess what? They executed, Mike. I think they only had one missed shot. And after that one missed shot out of the timeout, they got a rebound and another three. So what I'm telling you is I see a Maryland basketball team finding their identity. Mark Turgeon, he's learning what to do, what not to do in game, you know, from an adjustment standpoint. And then I'll be remiss. They have unbelievable talent. You know, you got a Dante Scott young man, a true freshman from Philadelphia, who has, you know, the size, that body to play right now in the, in the Big Ten. And then, you know, having Aaron Wiggins off the bench, you know, a, a, a you know low-key guy and Daryl Morzell. And, and, you know, this is the X factor. They have a young man, Mike, that's 7'2", Joel Marshall, uh-huh. you know, who came – um, to University of Maryland, highly, highly touted, but he, you know, he's seven feet, you know, you know, those big guys, you know, what they have, Mike, they have those leg problems, right? So he's starting to, yep. he's starting to get his, this confidence and I'm going to be interested to see how Mark Turgeon puts him in a rotation. But you know, Mike, if you got a seven, two guy that can block shots yep. and defend the rim in a tournament, boy, is that a steal to have? Of course it is. Of course. And then, and then in the league we have now, where it's, uh, where, the, where they, where they call it quote unquote positionless basketball, you got big stretch fours. Stretch fives, put, being able to pull their defenders from the paint and being able to create create uh, lanes to get to the basket for other for other uh, teammates. So I think I think when you look at some of the players on Merlin, like Smith, Co- uh, uh, Cohen, Cohen, of course, like that could possibly make that make that next step to on, on the big game. They're, they're right now they're not even scratching the surface on their potential of how great they can be on the next level because they're right now they're in a college system. But once their game gets free and they get a chance to show their all the capabilities. Oh man, this is going to be special for him. And you're right. To be honest, with this Maryland team, I've noticed that as well. I've noticed the team that seems to have bought in to this system, has bought into what what Mark wants to do, and it, it's affecting them. Like games that I've seen in the past, they would have lost because they would have shrunk in the moment. They're rising up this year, like that. Absolutely. Iowa, that told me a lot. Go, you know, I, going uh, at home, beating an Iowa team like that, you would have lost that game in the past. The fact that you won that game and the way you won it. In such fashion, it, I think that right there is they're, they're really setting a tone not only in the Big Ten but in the rest of uh, the NCAA in college basketball. Let me know that this this Maryland team is not to be slept with, is not to be messed with this year. I gotta agree with you, Mike. And the last point, you know, playing in the Big Ten conference is an advantage for Maryland, Mike. There, you know, mm-hmm. the the teams that you think would be a cupcake, Illinois, they're ranked. You know, Rutgers, who they host Tuesday, they're ranked. So what I'm getting at is, right. you have a lot of depth in the Big Ten. You're gonna always get somebody's best shot, and you're gonna be prepared if you can make it on that Big Ten. No matter what seed you are in the, in the tournament, you know you played against best competition, and you're gonna trust the process. And that's what Maryland Terps are doing. They're trusting the process. They're playing basketball, and it's it's a beautiful thing to watch. You know, they're undefeated at home. Like I said, they got a big game Tuesday. We'll see what they do versus Rutgers. Yeah, definitely, man. This 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 Big Ten uh, tournament this year is going to be very interesting. And, uh, and Maryland, Maryland should definitely put their stamp on it this year. But that's that's all we have uh, this week for You Don't Know Sports here with Mitch and Mike. And uh, we thank everybody for listening to us. And, man, what, what a super weekend. We can't wait for this Super Bowl. We got a lot of big sports coming up next week. And uh, so long, so long until next week, people. This is You Don't Know Sports with Mitch and Mike.